This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles, If you're into nerd culture, if you're into sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll get 20% off. They got signed comic books, signed wrestling figures, old WWWF magazines, anything you want, it is there. Sports collectors, they got that too. Best thing is, they ship worldwide, and even better, they update daily. So please visit them at firstrow.ca. And if you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like NBA Jam, Red Dead Redemption, Silent Hill 2, and so many others. Everything you see on their website's available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. If you're looking for the best supplements and CBD products, visit LegacySubs.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST to receive 10% off. They have everything from sleep aid to muscle building. Anything that makes you feel great, it is there. They are Legacy Sports Nutrition at LegacySubs.com. And if you want to support me directly and monetarily, you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. Takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to onesies. Anything you need or want, it is literally there. But the easiest thing, the freest thing, the best thing to do for the show is please rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest has been featured on AEW television and was a ROH World Six-Man Tag Team Champ currently wrestling for Ring of Honor and now part of the embassy. He is one half of Gates of Agony, Khan. <laughs> How's it going? How are you today, my friend? How's it going? I'm doing pretty good. I like that intro. Really appreciate it. So are you in, up in Minnesota as we talk today? No, I actually live in uh, San Antonio, Texas. Oh, you're the, so you grew up in uh, Minnesota then? Yep, I grew up uh, South Minneapolis, yep. Oh, wow. Okay, so how does... Okay, okay. Being Canadian, I know the winters. I know all that. And I even asked my parents, and they couldn't even give me a straight answer. Because my parents immigrated from Portugal, where it's obviously a lot warmer. Like, why why Minnesota? Like, so many other places in the States with better weather. Like, you know? Yeah. I mean, I love the wintertime. I'm a huge fan. Oh, you're fan. one of those. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, born and raised. That's just kind of how, where my father immigrated to from Cameroon. He came okay. to Minneapolis. My mom was from Wisconsin, so... Oh, okay. Always been west, yeah. I mean, I, I've loved the weather. People think that I'm crazy, but I'd rather be outside in like five degrees. I'm, I run hot all the time. Oh, uh, I see. How about w- winter activities? You love those as well? Oh, yeah. I grew up skiing, snowboarding, oh, sledding, ice skating, all that stuff. Well, I was going to ask, because before getting to wrestling, were you into any other sports? Like, was there anything that you did or even like combat sports uh, per se? Uh, no combat sports, but I grew up playing soccer. That was huge. Okay. Did that until like, high school and then high school and college football, ran track, did basketball, tried baseball. I've probably tried every sport, but oh, wow. basically did football, basketball, and track uh, all through high school and then just football and college. So what, what was your favorite out of all of them? Man, probably <laughs> soccer. I don't know really? why I didn't 
high school. Yeah, I was I was pretty good at that. I just okay. I think I don't know. I think like thinking about people, the certain like social groups. I guess when you get to high school, I'm like ah, soccer's not that popular. Probably should just do football. Right. Yeah, but I should have stuck with it though. Well, and the other thing is, obviously, everyone knows soccer doesn't pay as well as all the other major sports, right? So yeah. unless you're really into it, what's the incentive to keep doing it, right? <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> at least in pro wrestling, you hit it big, you hit it big, right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there is that big payout eventually. But, like, in soccer, it's like, okay, you could go to the world. Well, I guess if you become, like, Ronaldo status. But to be like that, like, one in a That's million, like, right? One in a million. And, I mean, I, was, I think I was pretty good, but I don't think I was that great. So do you follow soccer now? I don't. I want to like oh, sure. get back into it. I just okay. don't know where necessarily to start. Like one of my good friends, I he know. made the decision to get into soccer, and then he's just like, "That's his world now." But oh, it's wow. just like choosing a team and then just following the team, and then I don't know. I feel like there's something like intricacies of that I don't understand. So I don't watch sports anymore at all, basically. Oh, sure. How about the World Cup? Are you looking forward to that at least? Nah, I don't watch anything. <laughs> Because I find, like, in myself, I watch no soccer. The only soccer I watch is, like, World Cup, Euro Cup, stuff like that, the big tournaments. And that's okay. it. That's my soccer consumption every two years. It's like the Olympics for me, and that's it. I'm, I'm good. I should try it, though. I definitely play FIFA. Like, I'll do that. I'll play okay. soccer in real life, but watching it, I just can't get back into it. So then how did you get into wrestling then? Well, being from Minnesota, I know it's heart-rooted wrestling background, but how did you yourself get into it? Uh, I remember one of my friends coming over with the VHS tape at like nine, ten years old, and oh, first thing I remember seeing was like Degeneration X, <laughs> and like there it was just kind of slowly becoming fascinated with this thing. You go to the video store, and I was like, okay, let's rent like these old WWF tapes. I was just renting pay per views, right. and I became obsessed. Found Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, just watching every single week all the time, ordering the pay per views for like sixty bucks on Sundays, <laughs> begging my parents to let me buy those. Uh, eventually did like the backyard trampoline wrestling thing, oh, sure. trying to aim at the parties. Yeah, okay, that okay. was like as a kid. <laughs> so, were you a high flyer as a kid? I was, but I was like also afraid. Like, we would do ladder matches in the backyard, and right. just like once you're up there, you're like, you gotta jump. So, <laughs> we even had like my mom's old V8 uh, camcorder, right? So, literally, do like shows in my backyard. Oh, wow, with like six neighborhood kids, entrances. I was trying to build a ring on my trampoline. We would steal, oh, like, wow. gymnasts. Yeah, I was, I was really serious about it. Did you have, like, ring, uh, titles and stuff like that, too? We did. <laughs> I took, like, one of the OG <laughs> uh, WWE championships. And, like, I was a huge fan of the hardcore title as a kid. Sure. Just, like, cutting out pictures and, like, making my own hardcore belt. We would, like, oh. walk two blocks down the street and, like, go to other centers. And then people, my friends would just try to jump me and wrestle for the title. It was madness. So what did you go by back then? Come on, you, you had to have some <laughs> kind of crazy moniker for sure. Uh, I was double X back then, Xavier Xerxes. <laughs> I, was a, I was a fan of Triple H a little bit, so I was like, oh, double X is kind of cool. Actually, that's not too bad, actually. There's been a lot worse than that, so you know what? Yeah. You'd be proud of that one. <laughs> so then how did you make it into so-called the majors or get into real pro wrestling? When did all that? I know it was like 2017 around that time. Yeah, uh, so 2015, I was kind of working a shoot job, and I was kind of just not really happy where I was at, um, and like I remember just making the decision, like, all right, I'm going to start watching wrestling again. I was in grad school at the time. I started watching it again. At that time, The Shield debuted. I was watching CM Punk, and then I was kind of going backwards, and like, oh, what did I miss over this like eight-year period? Uh, okay. Then I kind of got obsessed again, and then by chance, moved to Maryland, uh, 2016, had to save up some money to start class 2017, January. Mm-hmm. Once I signed up, I was literally coming home, just like taking notebooks, pages full of notes, just fascinated by like, I'm, I'm pretty introverted, at least I was when I was a kid. Sure. And to think of myself now as like an adult, literally stepping into this world that I've dreamed about my entire life was super surreal to me, but I was so excited because I haven't felt like I've, I don't know, you get this adult and you're like, if you're just working nine to five, you don't feel like you're really learning anything anymore. You're right. just like... You're paying your bills. That's it. Yeah. So when you jump into something like that and you're just like, I'm a student of the game, I'm learning something, I'm also like marking out my head because this is my dream. Sure. Uh, man, that's probably the best decision I've ever made in my life. So being an introvert, was it hard to like cut your first promo or be in front of people? Were you oh. nervous? <laughs> Very. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you have to get used to very quickly of like, even the drills. I first okay. two people in, you're like, ah, uh, all right. I'm like forcing myself to step out of this box. 
sometimes I just raise my hand. I, and I would have moments as a kid doing that. I would like sign up for talent shows and not okay. panic attack about it. Um, but then, like, you, you're comfortable fairly quickly. So I'd always try to go first term promos. And then I got really into some stuff where I was cutting these promos at training where my promo coach was like, shit, follow that, you guys. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, you could just see that, like, I was feeding into this system, like, super excited about what I was learning. So I wanted to be good at it. I want to be great at it. Did you ever have, like, a fuck-off moment where you just lost everything and you just stood still and everyone's just staring at you? <laughs> uh, there's definitely some of those promos where I'd cut that and people would just be like, Oh, no. Damn, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You're in, like, a space where it's, like, 20 to 30 people that are all adults and you kind of, some of y'all kind of suck at this stuff and then there's true. egos and a lot of testosterone. That's and true, too. Hit too hard and then you're like... Oh my fuck! You want to fight? Like, <laughs> oh, I could only imagine. I know, and obviously, you guys, even though it is an individual sport, and you guys work together, but you don't work together because you guys want to go up the ladder, obviously, right? Oh yeah, there's people in my beginning class that like were immediately jealous of me just because of, of how I looked. Yeah, but in my mind, I'm like, all right, if I emulate Triple H, The Rock, Booker T, first I'm going to come into this school looking like I do because I want to be a step above everybody else. Because a lot of people that sign up just kind of look like normal people. Sure, and I'm. I, like, prepared myself. I was taking bumps at trampoline parks to literally stand above the wrestle when I got there. I was trying to, like, progress fast. Oh, shit. And people were upset by my hard work. So I was like, you can fuck off. You, you knew what you are signing up for. <laughs> right. But, they, I don't know. It's just that jealousy, you could feed it. But that, anything that kind of just, like, fed my ego. Like, cool, I'm going to just piss you off even more. Yeah, no, and again, you brought up a good point, the way you look, because you look like you could be on TV from day one, like, you know what I mean, No, like, yeah. being green aside and all that, so when did all this, like, happen, when did you want to look the way you look, when did the weightlifting started, was this way before, or was it just when you wanted to become a wrestler? Uh, way before, I actually oh, bought an uh, old, like, Triple H workout book, Oh wow. Like, well over 13, and that's kind of how I got into bodybuilding, which okay. I don't, I don't do bodybuilding, but that was, like, my introduction to working out, so... These are my heroes. Sure. Shit, I'm going to look like them. And then... <laughs> Makes sense. Oh, you're, you're like in high school and stuff, right? You want to impress the girls that you're trying to get to. So wow. take working out very seriously. I've been working out for 20 years. And it's, it's definitely just transformed my life. Like, it used to be about aesthetics. Now it's more about functionality. Sleeping better. Longevity. Like, I want to feel good. Working out literally has changed my life. It's not just about aesthetics. That's a byproduct of this. But, like, I feel great. I wake up feeling good. And I think people need to, like, understand that. Um, But it also helps my career, right? Like, I look the way that I do. Not a lot of people look the way that I do. So it definitely gives me a little bit of an edge. But that's only a part of the work that I have to put in. And I see it no different as someone else having an edge. Say someone is fucking kills it on the mic like that's an edge if someone's a technical wrestler from day one that's an edge why does always like aesthetics the one that people attack it it makes no sense to me me either because you can look great and you can i was gonna say anyone can achieve that you just put in the work right unless you have obviously some kind of degenerative disease or something okay i understand but if you put in the work yeah but if you choose not to and you own it that's fine too but at the same time you don't have to like i guess it would be body shaming but reverse right exactly that's basically what it is that's crazy. That's crazy. Okay, so you got to tell me, what's one of your favorite workouts then that you do, typically? Uh, um, honestly, I think I'm at a point in my life where I just enjoy going to the gym. Um, it's stressfully for me. I'm constantly trying to educate myself on exercises like muscle contractions, focusing on like feeling muscles when you engage them when you work out. A lot of functionality stuff, so trying to do mobility work, stretching. When I can just blow myself up at the gym that makes me feel good. So, oh, like, yeah. I like to keep the tempo very high to get my heart rate spiked at certain points. Mm-hmm. I don't care about lifting heavy anymore. Like, fuck that. I did that in college. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not here trying to, like, break records at four or 500 pounds, are you? No, no okay. man. I, I don't give a shit. It's all ego boost for people. I don't care. <laughs> well, it's true. If you're not entering competitions, what is the point? Like, if you get shredded at a certain weight, why go beyond it? Exactly. Right, and then I guess I would assume that's when injuries start as well, when you start pushing the muscles even long uh, uh, further, right? Definitely, like bench pressing super heavy, and then like you start feeling it in your shoulders, and like ah, I'm maybe not do that anymore. Even I stopped squatting for like two years. I just got back into squatting just because sure. I can do other leg exercises to build my legs. Why do I need to compress my spine with like 400 pounds? It's not necessary. If anything, I'm just trying to like do functional workouts that will translate to what I do in the ring. So if I do the gut check and pop people off my shoulders, yeah. it's all about explosivity. 
and then just drive them into my knees safely. Well, and that's true because that's the other asset of it. If you're used to lifting up all these pounds, then it's easier to toss around guys safely in the yeah. ring, right? Exactly. Yeah, that makes so much sense. No, of course. Okay, now you also went by Bishop Khan before and many other monikers too, but why drop Bishop and just go by Khan? Anything behind that or was it just, you know, it's just easier? Uh, that was the decision by Mr. Joy Mercury. He was the one that we were training under at the ROH Dojo. Okay. Well, Moses and I got there, we were SOS, like we liked the SOS uh, acronym. Right. The Sons of Savagery. Savagery, that was the name that we came up with at MCW. When we got to ROH, you know, jo- Joey was at WWE. He worked with The Shield. He was there for years as a producer, and right. this man is a genius. So he was just like, all right, y'all are not my sons, so let's let's change <laughs> the name to Spose because that's more intimidating. Look at you guys. You guys look like monsters. Right. I don't hate the name, but everyone was always trying to be like, all right, LOD, Hawk and Animal, let's kind of like modernize it. It's easier to say, easier to chant. Like the silhouettes you can just see. Sure. Yeah, that's fine with me. Con works. Moses works. Let's just go forward with that. Well, that's pretty, and speaking of Ring of Honor, how did all that come to be then? Because, what, one, two years into your career, you get signed to Ring of Honor. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Uh, Joey was kind of helping out MCW, train some of the veteran students, and then I remember he got a job at ROH. And like I was, I didn't know they did dojo trials. I think they were like reinventing the dojo. Oh, okay. So the trial was coming up in October. I remember at the time, I didn't want to do it. Like, you get into wrestling... And all, my, all you see in your mind is, all right, WWE, how do I get there? How do I do NXT? I never thought about, oh, this is other option, Ring of Honor, that also has a TV product, uh, a little bit smaller scale, but it's a good stepping point for me to get to WWE. Sure. That's how people kind of used it, in my opinion. CM Punk, Seth Rollins, all through that have gone through Ring of Honor, WWE, NXT. Right. Did the tryout with two days with Bully Ray and Joey there, and just terrifying experience because, you know, <laughs> people there and you're just standing there watching all these you don't realize how cutthroat this shit is until you're at a tryout I could and like everyone is there trying to gain this fucking spot right so you're just standing there like oh i'll be friendly with you guys but the moment we start doing these drills or matches fuck all of y'all like we're trying to win our earn our spot here which we did after two days couple right. matches couple promos got the little iggy hey practice starts tomorrow like oh shit okay mm-hmm. roh dojo four days a week Fuck, some of them days would be like six hours a day, road through all the time, just trying to learn as much as you can. Sure. But also you're learning from Joey Mercury, and I'm like, some days it fucking sucked. Other days I'm like, man, this dude's genius. I'm learning so much. Because you get to places, you kind of get complacent, you stop learning, so then you need to go sure. to the next place. You need to move so you can learn more. And that year, year and a half of just madness at that dojo of the, the four fucking gray walls and black curtains, you couldn't, the worst part <laughs> see outside man like it'd be like nine oh. o'clock at night and you couldn't tell what t- what time it was because there's no clocks in there right. and you're just like oh we have five matches left what time is it <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> it brutal, but that's probably one of the best experiences of my life too like i'm so grateful for the opportunity to do that and just learn as much as i did learn how to wrestle my opinion sure. learn how to cut promos and become who i've become now uh that's pretty cool so I guess it's safe to say Joey Mercury is one of the guys who's taught you the most throughout your career. Uh, him, RJ Meyer, who passed away at MCW and Dean Gutrich, those three, yeah, taught me the most I've ever learned. And then you get paired up with Shane Taylor Promotions, and you get to work with Shane, who is a former guest, by the way, so shout out to Shane, and everyone else that's in that crew. So how did all that come to be, and what did you learn from being in that crew? Uh, definitely learned a lot. Definitely boosted my confidence too. Um, <laughs> after Joey left ROH, because he was the one kind of like protecting Moses and I, honestly. Okay. He left, and then we were kind of just floundering. So we'd have these multi-man tag matches. Right. You don't really think to yourself like, all right, well, where does the creative direction come from? We can create, have our own ideas, but we have like no leverage here. So we're just doing these matches, and then Shane eventually approaches like, hey, I'm starting the Shane Taylor Promotions. I see that y'all really have too much going on. Like, I think y'all should be a part of this crew. We can, we can be something big. Like, right. well, we have nothing else going on, so let's let's do it. Um, the first match we had was, like, an eight-man tag against, like, fuck, who was it? Ian, Gary Just. It was kind of like a, a funny blow-off eight-man tag. Sure. But just the entrance alone, I remember Delirious coming to us, like, man, y'all look like some fucking badass. Like, that nice. looks yeah. amazing. It's like, cool, let's go. Guns blazing, let's go on ahead. Right. Then started doing the six-man title stuff, and 
shit, made records there, doing six-man titles, made that shit relevant to me, in my opinion. Like, we made six-man wrestling relevant. The stuff that we were doing, people weren't doing, and we created all of our clout and popularity by ourselves without the fucking machine, so. Right. Yeah, it was, it was pretty fucking dope. And then learning from Shane, who's an amazing promo dude, a badass fighter himself, just instilling that confidence in Moses and I and, like, pulling us up with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that was a great time. Yeah, because even that Freebird rule you guys were doing, like, you know what I mean? Like, I know it's been played out and whatever, but if you do it right, it comes yeah. off so good. Like, the yeah. other, like, The Shield did a fantastic, uh, New Day obviously does a fantastic too. Like, there's just certain groups I could just pull it off, like, perfectly, and you guys just did it miraculously, and it was, it, was, it was awesome to see. Oh, yeah, we always, like, made sure that we had, like, promos or a story to go into why that was happening. We didn't want to be like, oh, this person today. So like, there was a rhyme and reason why we were switching in and out of people. And then kind of like the matches helped build that credibility with that. Like, hey, whoever three it is of us, you're going to get fucked up regardless. But (laughs) 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 champions here. Oh, my God. So now to present day ROH. So you were one of the few that was brought back. I've had guys on before that used to be in the old ROH system. And they said they had no idea what was going on. Like they watched it live. It was all like just news to them. When did you find out you were coming back? Or did you even know you were coming back? Uh, I knew... I knew, I didn't know how quickly I knew, I knew. After ROH, like, defunct, whatever, kind of ceased operations, the next taping, someone came and talked to me, he's like, hey, someone from the office of AW wants to get in contact with you, you're one of the, like, three people that they want, oh, shit, that's that's crazy, but took that opportunity. Uh, Literally, two days, three days after the final battle, I had my first dark match for AW, like, I I made sure, like, when this is done, all right. Hands fresh with that. Sure. AEW and Garland Texans next few days. And then I think I just proved myself. I wrestled Andrade, Adam Cole, Kazarian. All those guys gave me great feedback. And like, I don't do crazy shit when I wrestle. Like, (laughs) I just know how to do it correctly. And I also hit people hard and I look great. So they think they respected that because I've talked to people about my mindset going forward. Like, I know these dark matches are. I've watched all of them. But how am I going to stand up and make a moment for myself to just not be some six six minute match that people are just going to? Oh, we know who's winning. Because <laughs> they, they, I was fucking trending after I wrestled Adam Cole. Like, yep. no one else is doing that. So <laughs> I made sure I earned my opportunity and talked to Tony a couple of times. Like, man, we want you, want you part of the team. So how does it work now? Because I know you uh, showed up on Rampage. Do you know anything moving forward how the new Ring of Honor system is going to end up being portrayed on TV? Because the biggest rumor, you know, everyone's saying it. It's going to be how NXT is to WWE. Have you heard anything about that? Uh, other than like the dirt sheets, I guess, but like I haven't heard anything <laughs> concrete. Sure. You know, I, don't, I don't talk to these people in the office. And when I tell people, like, we debuted on Rampage, my mind, I'm on AEW. Hey. So I just happened to be on ROH pay per view, but That's so did true. other AEW wrestlers. We debuted on Rampage. That's where I'm at. Yeah, and that's true because you were under Tully Blanchard and now you're with the Embassy. Uh, so, okay, I got to ask so what's going on with Shane Taylor Promotions? What if they come back into the fold? I mean, we'll see what kind of six-man match we're about to run. <laughs> <laughs> I love the dudes from SDP, right? Like, I let them know I got, the opportunity came about. I got signed. Like, this is it's business. It is what it is. We knew once ROH kind of ended that it's hard to bring four or five people into a new company. So Moses and I definitely had that conversation with that conversation with Shane. Like, hey, if opportunities come up, take them. Like, this is this is dog-eat-dog world. It's a business. We all still cool, but... I was like, hey, this is my opportunity, you guys. I, I got to I gotta do what's best for me. Yeah, no doubt, of course. And that's the smart thing to do, of course. And now being part of the embassy, how excited are you now with this new faction? Oh, man. Meeting Prince Nana, I was like, this is, oh, I'm so <laughs> ready. I'm so ready. Even like Tully. Tully was awesome. I got to train with him a little bit while I was in San Antonio. Oh, okay. That's cool. But I remember oh, Prince Nana actually hit me up like a year or two ago. He was like, hey, man, I really love what you're doing. Like. Okay. Like, well, who's this dude? So I looked him up. Cause just because I wasn't really familiar with the old ROH. Ah. I like that stuff. So I looked him okay. up. And I've always tried to find, like, African-born or African-American wrestlers or managers just because my dad's from Cameroon. So I could try to find that connection with people. Right. He hit me up. And then just to meet him in person, I was like, man, this is, I think this is meant to be, bro. Like, <laughs> I'm fucking excited. I learned about the crown jewel, the family he got in Ghana and Cameroon. Like, this is, wow. I'm fucking excited. This is, this is going to be great. No, that's good, and I could tell, and obviously, and, you know, I hope the, the listeners could hear on your voice that, and again, a dangerous wrestler is a happy wrestler, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> and I've seen what he's done with people in the past. Like, right? When I met him, I was like, yo, Jimmy Ray, Tommaso, the shit that y'all were doing. Yes. Look at them now. Like, look at Tommaso now. And he's like, we got some plans. We got some plans. Oh, that's fantastic. And you've also been in a few tag teams over your career. What do you enjoy yeah. most about being in a tag team versus just having a singles match? Uh, I know when in the beginning of my career, it was definitely a way to like kind of protect myself. Like I talk about oh. being an introvert. Sure. Uh, the spotlight wasn't always on me. And I think it just took me a couple of years to get really comfortable like going out there by myself because that's honestly why I moved to Texas. Uh, opportunity came, moved down to San Antonio. I'm like, hey, I love the tag team thing. But I need to grow. I need to continue to grow. I'm a nomad. I need to keep moving around and learning how to do this. So again, putting myself out there. And now I see how much fun it is to wrestle alone. Just kind of like the control that you have. And then again, the spotlight's on you. It's not on four other people. So my ego, my cockiness can come out (laughs) full shine. Like, hey, I'm the fucking star, you guys. Look at me. Um, But I definitely enjoyed the tag team stuff. It, It taught me how to wrestle, taught me how to do tag team wrestling, wrestling, which is very different than wrestling by yourself. Of course. Again, protecting me in a way until I got kind of comfortable enough. Uh, it makes me think about this song called uh, Full Monarch by Travis McQuay, like that butterfly that explodes out, right? And okay. That's what I'm thinking about. Like, this is me finally, like, having my wings out. This is the real me. Uh, that's all I care about. Like, eyes around me. <laughs> now, you mentioned some of your favorite singles, guys. What about some of your favorite tag teams over the years? Uh, Hardy Boys for sure. Okay. Hardy, like, true Hardy Boy fan, and Jeff and Matt were the reason why I got into this. Man, who else though? Those are like the, my main two. I just watched the old, like, the first Elimination Chamber match, that okay. triple threat attack match with Angle and Benoit, mm-hmm. Edge and Ray, and then uh, the Guerreros. The SmackDown 6, or you think about, like, uh, I know. Benjamin and Charlie Haas. Like, yeah. those teams are doing some amazing stuff on SmackDown back then. Like, you can just watch them, like, oh, they were, this is some of the best of all time like that's the people i'm trying to learn from uh and i didn't i don't think i really respected how much edge and christian did back in the day oh it's like okay. they always winning tag matches and that pissed me off so much as a kid <laughs> well they did their job then <laughs> they did, right exactly. always hope for the hardies and then the fucking edge and christian with the that's ladder hilarious. match what the fuck man this is <laughs> that is so funny and it's so even myself looking back the guys i used to hate the most i end up liking more once i got older because now then i appreciated their body of work because it's like oh damn man you made me go th- like to me a good wrestler obviously and you know this for sure is to make a person go down that emotional path like you know what i mean from the highs to the lows and everything in between and it's like when a wrestler could do that hook line and sinker my friend it's over exactly i, I even going back now i watched a lot of old jbl stuff yes hated him as a kid yep. he was just doing such amazing heel work that people weren't even touching him at that time i know exactly yeah his stuff with cena was awesome yep oh yeah it's crazy yeah no kidding and then obviously you mentioned it you wrestled for aw right after roh you went there and all that how was it now going from ring of honor to one of the big two and seeing everything and being there with all like now all these wrestlers you used to look up to being your peers and all that definitely surreal uh, I definitely shed tears when I got that. Con- like they contacted me about signing me. Wow. Uh, like this is that's awesome. I just never thought I would have made it this far. Honestly, like I knew, and it's funny because I remember Joey telling me that when they first signed mm-hmm. the Ring of Honor. He's like, "How do you feel?" I'm like, "I don't know." He's like, "You know, you deserve to be here, right? Like you earned your spot to be here. You knew you were going to be here." I'm like, "I don't think I did, though." You, you just kind of hear people saying shit to you when you're like, oh, "I want to be a professional wrestler." Oh, okay, they're like, mm, "Okay, right. you should keep that keep that real job." And that kind of gets to you at some point. Um, but I had to like let all those people's relationships go and just kind of really truly believe in myself. Sure. And to work my ass off to get to this point, which I, I barely still scratch the surface. Like I'm under the banner, but I'm, I haven't really accomplished anything AW yet. But the right. fact that they see the talent that I have, like the untapped potential that I have, whew, that's, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of speechless. Honestly, when I reflect about it, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be here. And now how excited are you and everyone else in the locker rooms now that WWE is under the new regime and it's sort of like the real WCW, WWE, where, where actual wrestlers want to go back and forth now? Like, that that must be just... Because to me, it's funny, because someone brought this up, because I, I grew up with, with the Attitude Era, obviously, and it was like the best part about that was the free agency. Who was going to show up where? I don't remember yeah. no matches, but you tell me when when Jericho first showed up on Raw, I'll tell you right away. Like, you know what I mean? That's in, yep. embedded in my brain forever. Oh, yeah. 
this is it's like a crazy time because I, I was telling my girlfriend like I'm actually really excited to watch wrestling now mm-hmm. like I, I they got me hooked again where I'm like all right we gotta watch Raw Smackdown because you don't know what's gonna happen you gotta watch Dynamite <laughs> Rampage because you don't know what's gonna happen or like you're at the show you're just so invested in the world again there was a couple years where I'm just like ah I can watch the highlights on YouTube but nothing's really cool happening I guess other than my, some of my friends in WWE that I want to support sure eh, I don't care to watch them now. What is going to happen? You see them bringing all these people back. Like yeah. I'm, I'm excited to watch. I'm, I'm a fan of what the fuck I do. So, and I want to see what the competition is doing, so that I can know how to like try to beat them as well. Well, and then that's the other thing. Except for obviously WWE versus the world, there really isn't because comp- everyone's working together now. This whole Forbidden Door business and everything. And how excited are you looking forward to fighting potential talent from the New Japan roster? Very excited. I. I want to do one of the discouragements, man. I want to go to New Japan. Because to catch them down here for three or four months. And sure. The matches that he was having, I got to see him up close and personal at AW when I was out in Defiance, Seattle. Right. Do we, do we get to have the same opportunities? Because me and Tello would love to go to Japan. <laughs> like, right. Let us there for months and let us just work these Japanese-style dudes and learn from these tag teams and have that experience and then come back even fucking better. Like, that's all that it's about is learning from these people, wrestling the best because you want to become the best. Well, speaking of dirt sheets, I think right before we went to, to record this, it came out that AEW is going to potentially send stars over to work for uh, Wrestle Kingdom this year. So I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're up to date. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I follow my websites. So <laughs> it's also just funny to see what people report on, and you're like, that's not true. That's true too, right? And because I could only imagine being actually inside of it and knowing what you know. And obviously, when they report stuff about you, it's like. So you want to respond, but you're like, do I feed into this? Don't I? And okay, how about this? What's crossing the line for you? When would you respond to someone if they went like some crazy shit? Like, what what would it take? Honestly, nothing. I, I it's interesting to like be somewhat in the spotlight, but like I don't give a fuck. Like <laughs> if I don't go on, if you don't go on social media, you don't know what's happening in that world. Actually, that's true. So like, who am I to care? I'm getting paid to do what I love, and I make probably more money than all these people do. So why do I give a shit? <laughs> you're not your tweet is not going to affect how I feel for the day. I'm like, oh, okay, and then go do whatever. I'm like I'm still getting paid to wrestle. Yeah, no, okay. I guess it's just one of those ticks you have to check when you're a wrestler, right? <laughs> oh yeah, like even even when I got into it, you're not everyone's not going to love you. Some people are going to hate you. Some people are purposely going to watch every single YouTube video just to give it a thumbs down, right? Those people are weird. It's crazy. It's really <laughs> like I don't know because you know what you know what I think. It's like those crazy politicians that are so in the closet that they go so much against like gay right movement because they're gay themselves. Like it's like <laughs> they must love that person so much, but they can't express it, so they find a way to hate it because it's easier. I don't know, man. It's baffling to me. I, I literally have I, I guess I be quote unquote deal with that. Like I know people are watching things that I do. Just to like hate on it or like tweet about some shit. I'm like, y'all really have nothing better else to do in your life. Like, there's so much outside of the computer screen in your phone. Like, go enjoy your life. Cause I'm on my computer most of the day for my job. Like, this shit don't mean anything. Yeah, I know. So. How about our live shows? Have you had any of those crazy fans interactions? Uh, not too much. Like, just kind of ignorant people saying stuff or like. Yeah, those, yeah. I don't know. There's sometimes when people are like, oh, they'll make some type of comment. And I'm just like, okay. If you really want to have interaction with me and like get serious about some shit, you're not going to say some disrespectful shit to my face. When you're 15 feet on the other side of the guardrail, you might say some stuff. But until like, when I get up to people, they're just sitting there like, of course. Yeah, you got nothing to say. So <laughs> it's all cool and shit when I'm in the ring talking shit. But when I get in your face, you ain't going to do nothing. Well, and then that's the thing. What do they think the outcome is going to be? It's either going to be one of two things. You're either going to ignore them or you're going to get into their face and do something. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. So, <laughs> I don't understand these people. Unless they want a free payday and they think they could sue or get away with something. Or they want their five seconds of fame because they'll go viral or something. Exactly. But then again, to me, there's like a larger pay- picture. I'm like, bro, I get paid so much more money than you do doing what I love. Like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and the stupid part is they're paying to see you, but yet they're hating on you. How dumb is that? <laughs> That's like the people that pay 20 bucks to go see a movie and then talk in the theater. Like, right. 
you can watch a movie at home and just talk on your couch. Why are you going to come out here and spend 50 bucks on popcorn and an icy and then disrupt everybody else that's actually going to watch the movie? I don't understand. Yeah, this world we live in, I tell you, it's crazy. But <laughs> that's hilarious. So, again, you mentioned, obviously, several times thrown, and I'm sure people know your Cameroonian background. You're proud. You wear it on your sleeve. How important is it to you to put it out there that you are Cameroon, but not be, like, labeled like how wrestling fans label someone who's from Africa? Uh, definitely important just because I, I haven't seen it before up until I mean you guess you have factions of nation domination but they really weren't right. pro- like pushing African born wrestlers until I guess Apollo Crews did that heel turn of like, really embracing his Nigerian heritage yep. uh, or even Kofi being from Ghana it's, it's cool to me like I'm a legit Cameroonian prince my grandfather was the chief of the village that I'm from like that's that's a real thing so you don't see that in professional wrestling you don't see modern royalty represented in the way that I want to present it so let's put it out there you always see the bloodline the tribal chief well you know there's other cultures besides just Samoan culture and like how do you see I don't know I don't know where Punta's from but you just don't see it from like the African perspective Um, so that's what I'm trying to bring to the table no that's awesome to hear now have you gone back home have you visited and stuff like that I went back about a decade ago okay. for like 21 days. Oh, wow. Uh, that's awesome. I saw the ceremony where my, like, the new chief got ushered in. I was like, that's, oh, wow. there's so much, like, rich history in that land where I'm sure. from. Uh, even seeing, like, a funeral, but there was such a celebration of life. You had all these tribal men come to the village that we were at, like, 50 right. to 100 people bringing all, the, like, these pigs to be sacrificed because it was a traditional ceremony. Right. Um, you don't ever see shit like that ever of in life. Course. So you go somewhere like this. And again, so much rich history and tradition that I just want to expose people to because you don't ever really hear about it. No, and it's so true. Like, you know, you could only see or watch so much on TV, but being there, like, I could only imagine, like, you know what I mean? Like, if, if I was in a chicken shit, I would, I would so be, like, I can't, I can't even go camping, never mind going on excursions <laughs> or having to take, cause I could only imagine you probably have to take all kinds of vaccinations and shit, like, you know what I mean? And then go through all, and that's probably why you went for 21 days too. It's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a preppy as they call. I need my bed. I need a toilet. Like, I know, I know I went for 21 days just because there are only so many days of where, like, we, my cousin and I had activities planned and stuff to okay. go do, because you could go walk through the jungle, but my head, we would walk, like, a mile, like, if we get lost, no one's going to find us out here. Oh, shit. So, See, that's I what I mean, man. No, thank you. Yeah, I was tracking my days in, like, my notebook and just kind of, like, writing about my days. Right. Uh, and, like, in the background was Mount Cameroon, and, like, nice. even driving through the city of, like, Douala, you have a view of African countries and what they might be. Like, my, my family's from the bush. Like, it is a third world country. And right. There are but where the airport was, like, paved roads. They had McDonald's. They had skyscrapers. Well, like, people don't perceive African countries like that. Like, I know. They're to you guys. Like, they, they, they do have civilizations there. It's not just, like, tribesmen and spheres. <laughs> <laughs> they have zoos. I was, I was surprised by that. Oh, shit. Are you serious? Like, that I, was just, I didn't know. went to a zoo. I'm like, I didn't think I'd go to a zoo. Cameroon, but I guess that's what we're doing today. Yeah, because I was going to say, did you see any wildlife out being in the bush? But I guess you just went to a zoo instead. <laughs> All we had like behind our like compound was just like a lot of snakes. But oh, shit. we had to go particular parts in the continent to find like elephants and lions. We just had like gorillas, snakes, a lot of mosquitoes. Oh, see, I can't do that either, man. It's brutal, man. It's it brutal. I never experienced like nighttime like that there was no street lights so once it got dark oh yeah if you walk out the door it black <laughs> you can't see anything wow but yeah but when you look up i'm sure the stars and the sky right it was like so close yeah it was, it was amazing. see that's what i then because i love traveling down to the caribbean and that's what i love to see at night because obviously living in a big city i see yeah. like just the moon pretty much but when you go down there oh my god you see everything glittering and you actually see what the universe looks like it's like wow yeah. Everyone should be able to get out there and travel, go to different places they've never been. Because I think so. Yeah, you're gonna remember those moments. And I think it expands our brains. Like it doesn't shelter us, yeah. and and it's not gonna eliminate racism, but at least it makes you understand people's culture. If because obviously oh, yeah. everyone knows racism stems from being afraid and not knowing what the other people yeah. are. Like you know what I mean. So if you know and you get to know everyone's culture, you wouldn't be racist. Like you know what I mean. At least in my opinion. Because even, like, Cameroonians have their own interpretation of what the U.S. is. When I got there, right. like, oh, you're, you're European. You're, <laughs> they call 
called me white man because I'm biracial. Wow. And I, me, I was like, that's fucked up. I'm higher hierarchy as a prince here. Y'all treat me with this disrespect to call me white. Like that's crazy. <laughs> in the states, this is completely turned around. But I know. Again, they're all in like their worldview of the villages that they're in. So they have their like they saw me with tattoos. Like, oh, you must be a pimp. You must be like Fifty Cent Snoop. Oh Dogg. shit. You can leave all your possessions here and fly back to the states because they thought they just assumed you had money to just give away. I'm like, not everyone lives like that, but right. that's how you learn about different cultures and what they experience in their life because they have no idea what the U.S. is other than what they might see on TV. Yeah, and that's so true. And obviously, the technology is a little bit behind and whatnot. And I'm sure where there is technology, it's probably for the rich, right? So, and the rich and the poor don't mingle. So, how would you find out, right? It is such a divide, like. We would go to one of my uncle's like mansions, and then they have a certain like a butler and whatnot. But then outside the mansion is like just little huts. Wow. There's no middle class. It was crazy to see. Yeah, the only third world, uh, mind you, uh, obviously the, the Caribbean. Uh, my wife's Ecuadorian, and she took me down to Ecuador, and yeah, I got to see what a real third world country is like. And it's the same thing. Yeah, you either have the rich people with the guards and all the fences, and then you have the poor people. It's true, living by the street and selling like crabs and stuff. Like you know what I mean? It's it's crazy the divide, man. It really is. Even like the day I flew in, I was probably on a plane for like 18 hours or something. Okay. And then you just, it's like three in the morning driving down. It took like two hours to get to the village, but just like hundreds of people on the road. I'm like, what the fuck is going on outside? Like they all had these little huts and trying to sell stuff. Sure. Was backed up car accident. But I was just, I've never seen so many black people in my life. Wow. Like so many Africans just like packed right. in the roads. That first day was just, mind blown because i woke up three hours later to wake up to a fucking rooster outside the window or a party <laughs> sure so yeah. <laughs> no i get it i get it man my grandfather used to live on a farm too so and then even when i again going to ecuador same thing four five in the morning roosters are cockling everywhere and it's like oh man it's <laughs> real it's so crazy okay you got to tell me okay I want to know a good Cameroonian dish that you recommend for no one who's ever eaten any Cameroonian food. <laughs> I'm a bad person to ask for that growing up, how I did. Uh, one thing I loved was these things called puff puffs. They're just okay. basically fried dough. Um, always recommend jollof rice, but like different countries have different ways of making that. Otherwise, uh, goat soup, I probably recommend oh. just because I like spicy food, so like goat okay. soup. It was in Cameroon, I remember, oh, I saw a goat earlier in the day. Oh, that's the goat that we're eating in, like, five oh, hours. I can't do that either, <laughs> man. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably goat soup and puff puffs. I, I love sweets, so those are my favorites. Oh, that's awesome. Now, how about wrestling? Are they into wrestling down there? They are. Actually, uh, this is kind of why I wanted to have, like, my heritage in Cameroon is on screen, because okay. they had this thing called Wasua, which is, like, traditional amateur Greco-Roman style wrestling that they used to do decades ago where they would actually like, uh, decide the Chiefs by who won by this type of wrestling. So all the men would come out, the first guy they get slammed down to the ground, that person loses, but that person that slammed them becomes the Chief of the village. Wow. They don't, I don't think they really do it too much anymore. I remember okay. my dad telling me, they used to do it like every year, maybe now it's every five years. Sure. But I know Senegal for sure does it still. It might okay. be called a different name, but to like know that was a part of my culture. I was like, man, I'm destined to be a professional wrestler. If this is what y'all were doing 50 to 100 years ago, and like this is in my bloodline, then I'm I'm right where I need to be. So now imagine if someone goes down there, like because obviously you have New Japan in Asia, you have WWAW here, and obviously Europe. Why is there no major promotion in Africa? Right? Because you always hear these stories. The infamous Luke Gallo story going to Nigeria too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, come on. Like, why not? If people are paying for it, like, why hasn't anyone set up shop down there? There's so much untapped potential. Like, the moment someone goes to any African country and, like, brings major professional wrestling there, it's going to be world-changing. I think so. It's a no-brainer. Nothing to be afraid of. Just, just go to Africa. And if you're afraid, just hire people there and have them run it for you. Exactly. I know they do professional wrestling in like South Africa. There's promotions okay. in different countries, but sure. someone major has to take that chance. And like, all right, we're gonna just like what they do with India. There's tons of fans in different countries in Africa that love wrestling. It's just yep. untapped potential there. I know it's so true because I had no idea India was like a big boom until WWE yeah. started going there, and you hear all the reports and everything, and yeah. them going into the market, and it's like, oh shit, that's right. Look how many people are there. Look, look exactly. at that potential, right? Yep. Even like when Kofi went back to Ghana and see all these people that knew who he was. Right. Like, guys, why are we not going here? Oh my God. Yeah, it's so true. Well, if anyone's listening and you got money, set up shop. <laughs> exactly. 
basically. Even with Francis Ngannou being Cameroonian, hey, right there, we got to make this connection. That's true. I didn't even think of that. That's right. And are you a big UFC fan yourself? Not really, but I watch his fights just because I want to support my people. And I'm like, hey, he's the baddest man on the planet right now. He's strongest punch, I believe, in UFC, knocking motherfuckers out. So... It's crazy. You know, I, I, I always said that I've only been scared of one person in my life. And that's been my mother because she gave birth to me. So she okay. could take away my life as well. And she's gone. So now I have nobody. But Francis Ngannou is, is close second, my friend. Like, you hear the story and like digging the sand in the mines that he did. And like he went, he was homeless for a while just to see how far he's come. Like, no, those, that's awesome stories. Yeah. Well, and that's what like brought me to UFC. Mind you, obviously the combat too, but the backstories, like a lot of these guys came like from nothing. It's not like people who had like second or third generation, like in wrestling or they came up with money. It's all these people re- fought because they had to survive. Exactly. It's a different type of mentality. It truly is. And that's why they, be- they become the best in the world. And in a perfect world, would you ever want to go down that path into MMA or anything? Do you think? No. No? Okay. <laughs> I care so much about my face to get me. <laughs> <laughs> my mom's a dentist. If I knock any of my teeth out, I'm, I'm going to get disowned. I can't do it. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, before we get into the word story of the week and we wrap this up, I noticed you might be a fan of child's play and maybe you're into horror. Is this correct? Uh, definitely a fan. That's uh, probably my favorite horror movie. Really? Which is crazy because I remember seeing child's play one and two when I was like eight, nine years old at a birthday party. Okay. Why they why they rented these movies for like this boy's birthday party at such a young age? That's awesome. I don't know, but even my dad would watch like The Omen growing up. Oh. My sister was like weird fascination with horror, and it's just gotten worse as I've gotten older. I got like a life size Chucky doll. Oh shit! Uh, got a horror leave, horror sleeve tattooed on my leg, Jigsaw and Candyman. Nice. I'll watch literally like paranormal activity movies before I go to bed and just sleep like it's nothing. <laughs> You know what? That's how I used to be as a kid too. My my jam was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. That's how far back I go. So I used to watch the '80s, like when they first came out, uh, the slashers. And yeah, I'm just like you. I loved. I, I don't know what it was about it. And again, we shouldn't have been watching this so young. And you telling that story is funny because I remember going to a birthday party too, and they had the original Pet Cemetery playing in the background, and it's like, what are you doing? Like. Yeah. <laughs> To be fair, if I had kids, I'd probably do the same thing. Like, I think so. Early and just run watch horror movies. They'll get used to it. So it might be a little weird. Yeah, no kidding. So, what are some of your top five then? Obviously, you got Chucky. Well, what else is there? Oh, man, that's tough. Top five probably Child's Play two. I'm a huge fan of like the first five movies in the Saw series. Me too. Like, oh. First, I'm really getting to like gruesome horror. I was a big fan of that stuff. I like weird movies. I like Leprechaun. I like the first one. I did too. Uh, Insidious, the first okay. two, like I'm not. I never really grew up off of like Jason and Freddy, so sure. I don't know. I kind of like off, off main horror stuff. Yeah. How about like the recent stuff and all the remakes? Are you a fan of those? I fucking hate remakes. Some. <laughs> like, well, it depends. Some are okay. Like, you, okay, here's yeah. an example. Like, I like the legacy, like the continuation. I don't like them starting from scratch and rewriting the whole story. Like how, I guess, Scream did it, and now Halloween did it, right? That's fine, Halloween, I think. Halloween should have been done years ago. Yeah, Why are we still, like, the last Halloween that came out last year, this dude, literally, like, eight talents people were beating him up. I'm like, well, he's not dead. He's going to start killing everybody. So, <laughs> and here we go. We have another year of him. Like, Why? Even when they rebooted Child's Play, and there's like yeah. the AI Child's Play, but then there's the original one. Now there's the TV series. What the fuck are we doing? Can we not come okay. up with like original ideas? Like I just saw Nope. I was a huge fan of that movie. Okay. I'd like to get out. Like let's original horror ideas. I don't know. Like why we have to remake stuff from the '80s that like leave it alone. Even the first thing, the Thing movie, like the remake was cool, but like that sure. first one was so iconic. Just just leave it alone. If people want to go watch old horror, they can watch that stuff and then appreciate like practical effects because that's I think so. Like some of these still hold up, and you appreciate, like you said, because you know it's yeah. the effects. Like you know, you know it's the plastic, you know it's the fake gore and all that. And again, you know it's campy, so you go with it. Like you know what I mean? Right. So why not? Like people still watch reruns of Seinfeld. You don't see them remaking Seinfeld, <laughs> right? Exactly. I watched like the first Alien movie like a year ago. Man, okay, it was a, it was a slow build, but. The fact right. that like someone made a xenomorph and someone was in that costume—that's right? so cool. But they're not doing that anymore. 
Nah, well, it's it's easier, right? It's just special effects does everything. Obviously, look at even what happened with like sci-fi, for example, too, right? Yeah, and, and I feel like it loses its gust, though. I mean, but that's because I grew up in the '90s. Like my favorite movie was like The Dark Crystal and like The Never Ending Story. But they're building out those sets, and now they just everything's CGI. It's real. It looks great, but you just lose that tactile. Just I want to see the real thing. I compare it to how we went from like CDs and video cassettes to digital. Like that's what it sort of feels like. You know what I mean? Like uh, you want, like you just said textile, like there's just something about something physical or even like a book versus reading it off an ebook. Like, you know what I mean? Some things you just need that. I still buy DVDs sometimes. If like the box art looks good and it's well designed, I'll buy it. Like whatever. I'm going to go support the movie that I like. Because otherwise everything's like on Netflix. And it's like, there's something about taking it out the case, putting in the DVD player, you make it an experience. You actually like watch the movie without your phone compared to like, Oh, let's put on Netflix and just stream for six hours. It's so true. And there's something, even watching the old ones, like if you pop in a VHS tape, there's still the previews. So that yeah, whole, yeah. like, like, and back then we had no internet. So for kids who don't understand, these previews yeah. meant the shit because it wasn't aired on TV. Like we, our cable had like 30 channels tops. Yeah. So it's like, no, this was our way of finding out what's coming out next. So it was like a big thing, right? The sitting in front of the VHS player and just rewinding things for like two minutes. <laughs> they have it so easy now. It's so true. Yeah, we could go on forever and ever. That's awesome. No, I'm glad you're a horror fan because, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I could watch everything. Uh, another one I just watched recently, I don't know. If, it's sort of because you're a soft fan and so am I, was uh, that I liked um, Escape Room. I watched the first and the second one. I don't know if you watched those yet. I've not seen that yet, but I might have to check that out now. It's not. Okay. Okay. It gets a bad rating, so don't go off what people are saying. But if you're a soft fan, you'll appreciate it because it's sort of like that where it's games. Obviously, it's escape room, but think about it in a horror way, obviously, right? Because I don't want to ruin too much. But I'm down to watch whatever. Oh, that's cool. Ready for the worst story of the week, my friend? I am. Okay. So, have you ever tried to sell anything online, like say via email or one of those market share places or anything? Uh, Facebook Marketplace I've done before and I've done I've sold shoes like on eBay before oh okay any weird experience on there like creepers or is something go wrong <laughs> not really but it's, it is weird to like I think talk so. to somebody and then go meet in some like movie theater parking lot like alright I hope you have that money that's real because I'm about <laughs> to give you something else so <laughs> I remember no I guess during the pandemic I bought weights off Facebook Marketplace and I drove like two hours to some dude's house out in the country Oh shit! And he asked, like the pandemic wasn't even happening. Oh, wow. I'm like, bro, you're selling your dumbbells for six hundred dollars or something like that for like only a few of them. You, you know the pandemic's happening because people are trying to buy this shit right now. Right. But he was, it was, I don't know. He disappeared for a while, and I was just standing <laughs> out there like, if I die out here today. <laughs> oh my god! Weird interaction. Yeah, I always find it weird too. I've done it once. The only thing I, I have done it for was like video games because I refuse to be ripped off uh, like a GameStop or something. It's like, no, fuck you. I could get a lot more for this. I know where this <laughs> money is going. So I'll trade it with someone and I'll get back what I deserve and that person will get it cheaper. So it's a win-win. So that's the only thing I'll do. But it just feels weird. It feels like, because now here up here and obviously across Canada, weed is legal. So to me, it felt like I was a teenager, like, in a parking lot doing, like, a fucking, like, drug deal or something. Like, do you have it? Okay, do you have the car? And it's, like, you hand it off, like, hesitantly, and you're, like, you're looking at it. You look at each other. That awkward moment. It's, like, oh, nah, man. Those interactions are always a little strange. Just because you're, you're hoping you're getting good quality products, and you're, like, <laughs> I hope this doesn't suck. Because I just gave you my cash. I'm, I'm expecting a certain type of result in a little bit. So, <laughs> we'll see. Okay, so this week's story comes actually from my hometown of Toronto, where a man was trying to sell an old cheese string he found in his fridge. Okay. So, how it went. So, he moved into a place, and in the fridge was just this lone cheese string. First weird thing is, I don't know why he just didn't throw it out to begin with, like... Who cares? It's, it's a cheese string. But no, he decided to put it up. We have a market sharing. It's called Kijiji. It's almost like eBay. So you put it up there and then you could trade or people bid on it, stuff like that, right? No bites. No one wanted it. Obviously, who wants a fucking old cheese string, right? And what he put there, you put no amount. He's like, best offer and offering <sighs> trades. Okay, no problem. So no one took of it. So then he decides to rent a billboard. In the most busiest intersection in Toronto, so if people from Toronto know Young and Dundas, which is called Dundas Square, and he finally got some offers. Well, again, speaking of the world we live in and weird people, you see what I mean? 
I'm immediately like, okay, maybe if it was like a cheese string that was like 20 years old, some old brand, like this might be like some iconic thing. Or it's like, this is some sexual innuendo, and this is just like the code word. It's the ah. cheese string. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's a good call, right? Like, because back in the day when I was growing up, the thing was if someone had pink flamingos on their lawn, they were swingers. I don't know if you heard that rumor. I have not heard that before. So that was the thing. So if you saw pink flamingos, you know what they were into. And like that, that that was, and obviously this is before the internet. I'm going like way back. Like, you know what I mean? So that was the thing. So maybe you you might be onto something here. So my opinion is, again, how the human mind works. Because it's out in public, you see it automatically. You want it because it's on flashing lights. Everyone's yeah. looking at it. You want to be the one who owns that thing. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I hope he got his money back because billboards are not cheap. Well, and again, like I said, the most bit, like, you should see what billboards are there. Like, when Drake releases an album, it goes on there. Like, all these, like, high, like, caliber shit goes on. Like, this is not just, like, he must have paid an arm and a leg for sure. That's, wow. I want to I look this up now to see what this looks like because. It's a lot of effort to put in to actually just sell something so minuscule. Well, there has to be more to this story. That of course, because it's not ending like this. And there's more, even more weirdness to it if okay. you think it's not weird enough. So, like I said, he got some offers. Mm-hmm. Do you, <laughs> you want to take a wild guess what some of these offers are? They range from, you name it. I don't know, man. It's, I don't even know how people would offer this for a cheese string. No cash. No one offered cash. It's all like physical stuff. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with my, my thought process here. No, I know. It's a broad... Okay, so here, I'll, I'll give you the top three or the three I found that are most weird. This one, at least it's on par because, you know, it's probably the same price, almost. A box of Lucky Charms. Okay, that's fair. Right? It makes sense. You know, trade food for food, you know? Okay. A Persian cat. That's just disrespectful to the cat. <laughs> Why would you even do that? <laughs> right? And this is where it really gets weird. Someone offered up their girlfriend. <laughs> That's a bold move. However, if I was an asshole and not happy with her, I'm like, I would do this as a real thing. Like, you can have her. I don't want to be in this relationship no more. <laughs> Let me get the cheese string. The relationship's over. Good luck. <laughs> now, imagine that Pearl Girl's ego. You lost to a fucking cheese string. I mean, that's a story that's never going to ever get old. So I would just tell that at every party, anything I would do, like, this is what happened in my life. You can't top that. <laughs> oh, my God. That is hilarious. But in the end, he still hasn't made a trade. He's still tending offers. So if you want this cheese string, you could offer him something if you want. Okay. <laughs> but he said, when asked why hasn't he accepted anything, what he said is, when you know, you know. So I guess he's not particularly looking for something. But, you know, when the right thing comes, everyone has a price, as a million-dollar man used to say, right? So... You must have a lot of money just spend to do billboards for a cheese string. This is this kind of like a social experiment or something because I don't understand the thought process. Like, what is the motivation here? Why? Again, I have no idea. Like I said, just throw the cheese string out, man. Or, but you know what? If he intended to go viral, he has done it because it's all over the socials. If you actually look it up, very true. <laughs> Fuck. Right. Well, thanks for coming aboard, Con. Really appreciate it. Plug your shit, whatever you want to promote. Floor's all yours. Uh, just follow me on social media, the Con on Twitter, the Period Con on Instagram. Check out my T-shirt store at Will Maneuver. I have a new shirt that just dropped, Con the Conqueror, because I'm a big fan of Kang the Conqueror. Uh, he's about to take over the Marvel Universe. And also, you can support the brand that I work with, Ladder Sports, uh, founded by LeBron James, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm one of their prime athletes. That's wow. crazy. I'm in the same line if you look at the ads. LeBron, Arnold, Miles Garrett, me. Shit. That's how much faith AEW has in me. This I me because I'm one of these fucking top-tier professional wrestlers in the world right now. So, awesome. yeah, just follow my stuff. Buy my merch. So, if you ever see me in public, hopefully I have a shirt on because I won't talk to you otherwise. So... <laughs> But no, I greatly appreciate it, man. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them, almost definitely helps me out. And most importantly, please, each and every week, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. Two last quick questions, my friend, before I let you go. All right. What's been your favorite and least favorite thing about pro wrestling? Best thing has been just the experiences that I've had. Uh, I think back to the ROH Dojo and some of these road trips I've taken with some of the people that were in the dojo with me, driving through Toronto, Buffalo, New York, nice. to 
Michigan to Chicago and just the stories people tell about how they've been trained. Think about Dak Draper and all his Pat Tanaka stories and fucking Brian Johnson's been wrestling for 13 years. <laughs> it's just madness. Maria Manic was in the car one time. <laughs> uh, worst thing, and some of the politics on the independent scene sure. and promoters like trying to own towns. Someone's trying to own San Antonio oh. right now. Baffles my mind. You're just taking work from the boys and girls trying to make a business, trying to make it like in this business. So right. stop being assholes. Just just book the workers, put on good shows, let us have fun. We're just trying to live out our dreams. So that's probably been the worst thing so far. Nice. On that note, he's Khan. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace. Peace. <laughs>